The following conversation was recorded at 8020 United Methodist Church in O'Fallon, Missouri, during one of our dinner church teaching times. For more information about 8020 United Methodist Church, please visit 80-T-W-E-N-T-Y-C-H-U-R-C-H.org. With Jennifer Aniston and Vince Vaughn in like 2009, it wasn't a very good movie. It's called The Breakup, but I remembered this one line in it because it really, really resonated with me. Um, so they both come, this is like the epitome of like a marital conversation, okay? So they're both home after a long day of work. He's sitting on the couch playing video games. And she comes up after she gets home from work and she's like, come on, like I really, why didn't you do the dishes? She gets on to him about doing the dishes, right? And he's like, nah, I'll do it later, I'll do it later. She's like, no, no, they need to be done now. I want it a clean kitchen now, you know, like later doesn't cut it and all that kind of stuff. So he's like, fine, I'll, I'll do the dishes. And he gets up and she's like, see? She's like, never mind. <laughs> like, never mind. He's like, I thought you said you wanted me to do the dishes. And then she says this, this just is so, so true. No, I don't want you to do the dishes. I want you to want to do the dishes. Does anybody feel that in their core? And then his line is so classic. Like, why would I want to do the dishes? <laughs> like, their communication is going, woo, just like that. But um, it's kind of like, you know, Whitney and I talk often. We don't want people to just fill in with the kids' ministry. We want people to want to be with the kids, bless the kids, disciple the kids, all that kind of thing. Um, so the first discussion question, just for you to, it's a little lighthearted, um, but is there anything in your life you wish someone would do without being asked? <laughs> so I feel like as far as faith is concerned, but guys, I sometimes feel like I'm that Vince Vaughn character with Jesus. Like I'm sitting on the couch and I'm playing video games and I'm distracted and I'm lethargic. And like my faith is so, so tiny. And I wonder how it makes Jesus feel. And I wonder if Jesus he, like doesn't want to like pull teeth, like wring faith out of me like a, like a dish rag or something, but just wants me to want more faith just wants me to like have this motivation and, and come to him. Um, so we're talking about having a deeper faith. Um, this is our series. I, I just, I feel in my soul, like this is th something that's really, really important for me, for us, for us as a faith community. And last week, man, Tiffany shared powerfully with us about um, having a faith that remembers, that like having spiritual amnesia is like a faith killer. But when we remember who God is, when we remember how God's come through in our life over and over again, um, that that helps our, deepen our faith and helps our faith continue to grow. And today we're going to talk about a faith that asks for more faith. So we're going to look at a situation in Mark <clears throat> chapter 9. We encounter a pretty desperate man in Mark chapter 9. This man has a sick son, and it's his only son, we find out. And he begs, that's the word used, he begged the disciples to restore his son, but they couldn't. 
And so the disciples and the scribes begin arguing with each other. And Jesus walks up. And he says, what are y'all arguing about? Now I want to stop right there and just kind of time out for a second. Jesus finds the disciples arguing, debating, um, rebutting, discussing. And a man before them has a deep and agonizing emergency. So does his child. It's all about, you know, his child. And all his disciples, Jesus' disciples could do in that moment, in that time, was um, argue with each other. This family needed a display of God's power. And here the disciples are arguing. And I think, I don't know if you are starting to follow what I'm thinking, but have you ever thought about Christian history as a whole? How many times do Christians fall into that trap? They get caught up discussing, preoccupied with arguing, fierce fights over words in the face of appalling human need. Right? Like, oh, Europe is scourged with starvation and plagues and death. Let's argue about if Catholics or Protestants are right. Better yet, let's war against each other for so many years and make the situation and the human suffering even worse. Like, that happens constantly and it's so tragic. Now, that's not the whole story, but that is a sad part of the story. There were people, and you don't hear about them in the headlines as much, there were Christians that were faithful, that were ministering, that were serving the Lord, that were doing something about suffering. But so much of the time, they just love to argue and debate. Um, so Jesus says, well, what are y'all arguing about? And before they could answer, this desperate man jumps in and he starts telling Jesus about how cruel this disease is, how it throws his son into water and into fire, how it's trying to literally destroy his body, how urgent it is, how fatal it can be. And he says, I brought my son to these disciples, but they, in the literal Greek is there, they lacked the strength. They lacked the strength to restore my child. He tells on the disciples, right? They couldn't do it. And I sat there when I was just thinking about this scripture this week, and I thought, isn't that a telling critique of the church today? A modern critique of a suffering world and a sometimes all too impotent church. Like the country, our country is in turmoil and it's in unrest. If you look at the charts, the overdose epidemic, it goes like this for the last 20 years. The suicide epidemic, it goes like this for the last 20 years. Can you hear people just like this man saying, I came to the church, your disciples, but she lacked the strength to do anything. Can you hear people saying that? She was too preoccupied, too busy discussing stuff, too busy arguing about stuff. What are we discussing today that takes our energy out of simply putting our hand to the plow and joining with Christ in his restorative work? That's one reason why I love 80-20 so much, actually, because for all her faults, right, 80-20 is an action-oriented church, not a talk-oriented church. We have a bias for action <laughs> in this church. 
We don't all have to agree on every issue. We don't spend a whole lot of time debating, discussing, arguing over stuff. That's a precious waste of energy when Christ is calling us to partner with him to restore this community. Let's do that instead. Can I get an amen for that? I mean, seriously. (laughs) You guys are a pretty awesome church. Um, And I I don't know, just for a second, I just want to like, I wonder why. I I just asked myself why. I know it's a dangerous question. Why, why? Why do we as humans love to argue so much? Why do we think we're doing anything productive, right? Like, it just consumes so much time. Control, I, I, me and you are like this. I, that's the conclusion I came to also. If I can argue with someone on social media and my goal is to convince, it's like get people more on my side, right? Like if I can flip over 10 coins, then I feel like I've done some good because I feel like my side is right. And what I'm actually wanting to do is control, like I think that they can do something about it, so I'm gonna try and convince all these people. But really, I have power right here, right now, inside of me while I'm living and breathing, no matter how small it is. So why don't I just go out and do something, right? Um, And Jesus has this moment after this this father tells him about this, his disciples lacked the strength and all this stuff. Jesus has this moment of frustration, of lament. It's one of our core practices is lament. Jesus actually lamented. He lamented about the lack of faith of his disciples. And he starts by saying this, oh, unbelieving generation. And he says, um, it's like distressing to him. Did you know that unbelief, lack of faith causes Jesus distress? It also hinders ministry. Just like when we have faith, it brings Jesus joy. He's like, yeah, all right, they're getting it. (laughs) It opens doors for ministry. But he says, oh, unbelieving generation, it seems like a whole world of disbelief stands in the way of this boy's restoration. Like it's Jesus, once again, the only person who has faith here. And he says, how long do I have to bear with this lack of faith? He's lamenting. And he tells them to bring the boy to him. And the boy has a violent episode right there in front of Jesus, the healer. And I imagine Jesus flipping into like first responder mode. He's rushing toward him. He says to the father, okay, how long has he been like this? Um, The father says, as long as we can remember, ever since he was a child, he's been like this a really long time, his whole life. And then the father adds, as Jesus is getting ready to go to work, the father adds, if you can do anything, Take pity on us and help us. What were the first three words of that? If you can. Now think about what sort of frame of mind Jesus was already in. Jesus was already frustrated. Jesus was lamenting. What was Jesus lamenting already? Lack of faith of his own disciples. And then this father says to him, if you 
can, this desperate man, the father of the boy, the one who cares the most that he is healed, the one who has the most at stake, who needs um, to display for such a time as this some faith as he stands before this healer, the one who laid the foundations of the world, who created the entire cosmos. And he says, if you can, if you can do anything, have pity on us and help us. Now, how many of you, though, can relate to the Father right now? (laughs) How easy it to have a faith that says, if you can. I'm not standing up here telling you that I have, like, the world's most rock-solid faith, especially when the world beats me up. I'm telling you, the world can beat you up so, so much. Like, you start with faith, and you're, like, going, and then you get knocked down, and Jesus gets you back up again. You keep getting knocked down. Has anybody ever been there? Just The world just beats you up and beats you up and beats you up. And, you know, you get desperate and anxious, and you know you need help, but your faith in trying to get help runs dangerously low. Has anybody ever been there? It's almost like you, this guy gave up before even asking. Like he asked the disciples, he came with the last shred of faith and hope, they couldn't do it. I'm assuming he's been asking healers for the boy's entire life. None of them could do anything about it or restore his son. And now, bad timing for his faith to hit a low because Jesus is here, the one who can, right? And he says to him, if you can. If you can is for almost quitters. It's so lame. It's so apathetic, right? Well, Jesus picks up on this immediately, and Jesus says, if you can? He said, don't you know that anything is possible for the one who has faith? This line here, anything is possible for the one who has faith, this could be a whole sermon in and of itself. People... A lot of people talk a lot about it, don't know what it means. I'm just going to throw this out there. I don't think that this is some sort of like unspiritual literalism we're supposed to take from it. Like, okay, if I believe, really believe I can fly, I'll fly, right? Um, Jesus actually was tempted to try to fly for his own personal advantage when he went through temptations, and he refused to do that. Like, this kind of faith, the things that, that, you know, anything is possible for the one who believes is this, it, it's got to be in line with the life and the teaching and the faith of Jesus. So if I'm just going to try and like believe that money's going to fall from the sky, that's not the kind of faith that we're talking about. All right. Um, but Jesus says, anything is possible for the one who has faith. And then this man, I feel like he's realizing this window of opportunity uh, that has just opened, maybe just now be closing that quickly. And the father immediately, the text says, immediately the father says, and now we can say this. This is, this, this is a powerful prayer. He says, I do believe, help my unbelief. That feels like a prayer that all of us can pray, right? Aren't we all some strange mix of belief and unbelief, of faith and lack of faith? Isn't there a constant struggle for faith going on? I do believe, I'm here at church, right? Aren't I? Take me to deeper levels of trusting in you, right? There are things you've not yet encountered that are going to test 
your faith. Try your faith. Do you believe God will win in the end? I do believe. Help my unbelief through this. Do you trust God enough through pain and through sadness that there's going to be an end to that? I do believe. Help my unbelief when it creeps in. In theory, I believe, but in practice, sometimes I chase after anything other than God for answers or for salvation or for fulfillment or for healing. God, show me when I'm doing this. I have believed, but I've encountered things lately that, man, tempt me to disbelieve. I do believe God help my unbelief. Save me from unbelief. That is such a good prayer. Today it is. How to have a deeper faith. Tiffany, last week, a faith that remembers. Do that as much as you can. Today it's a faith that asks for more faith. (laughs) That is one way to have deeper faith. And it's not like good people have faith and bad people just don't. Faith is a gift after all. It doesn't even begin with us. Did you know that? We can't be boasting about our huge, strong, solid faith because it's a gift from God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, by grace you have been saved through faith. And that's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one can boast. That's why this is such a great prayer. Help my unbelief. God, give me more faith. It's a gift from God. If you're here and you know you need more faith, perfect, you know how weak you are. Ask God for the gift of faith. Losing faith or lacking faith, it's part of the human condition ever since the fall. It's a symptom of the fall and it affects all of us. Can we be honest about it? Because your faith doesn't begin or end with you. Faith both begins and ends with Jesus. It's a gift of God. So there's a moment of decision right here Can you muster up a faith that asks for more faith? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's like Jesus saying, I don't want you to do the dishes. I want you to want to do the dishes. Do you think God wants us to ask for more faith? Especially when our faith is being tested or tried. Don't even have a desire Are you like, "Mm, I don't even want that right now. Ask God for a desire to ask for more faith (laughs) because it's a gift from God. It's a spiritual gift. Faith is on that list. The Holy Spirit gives it to us. And the rest of the story is that Jesus restores this boy. Jesus is the only one who could and he did. And the disciples asked Jesus in private, why couldn't we do that? Because they had been part of this ministry of healing when they went on their missionary journeys. They said, why couldn't we do that? And Jesus said, this was a situation that could only, get, that could only be restored, this boy could only be restored by prayer. That's what this situation was. And then the story ends. And we're left to go, huh, what does that mean? Can I tell you, I don't think the disciples were like, gosh darn, that's what it was. (laughs) We forgot to pray. Like you prepared to pray before a meal or something. Like, Andrew, why didn't you pray? Did you pray? No, Bartholomew, did you pray? No, gosh, that's what it was. 
Um, I don't think they're talking about like a momentary spit it out kind of prayer. I don't think Jesus is talking about that. I think he's talking about a life marked by intimacy and ongoing personal communion with God, a life of prayer. This kind of spiritual life that Jesus himself nurtured, that gave him a depth of prayer. You and I cannot restore persons when we bring against what plagues them only a faint force of depleted and fatigued and unrenewed and unreplenished spirits. But if that's all you got right now, that's all you got. But the stuff this world is up against is tough. When we have an opportunity, it would be great to ask God to go deeper, to make you into a person of prayer, a warrior of faith, to give you the depth of character and intimacy with God that is rare in this world, that this world is hungry for. Can you find a faith that asks for more faith? So instead of a second discussion question, <clears throat> while I prepare for communion, I just wanted to give you time to pray these sorts of prayers. It can just be a quiet time um, if you want to. Like the man in the story, if you need more faith, ask God for it. However low you are, utter the prayer. It's okay to ask for the motivation, the desire, the faith that's lacking. God is the only one who can restore you and give you this gift. I want to remind you that everybody is welcome to share in the table of Christ here at 8020 Church. We believe this is Jesus' table. Jesus wants and invites all of us to take part in the forgiveness and in the grace that is found at this table. There are also gluten-free elements in the middle, and um, let's, I would love to pray over these elements for us. Lord, we offer gratitude to you for what you have done for us. Thank you, Lord, for being the author of our faith, the one who first reached out to us and gave us a heart that wanted to know you. We thank you for being the perfecter of our faith, the one who walks alongside of us and never leaves us and is there for us to lean on when we when our faith runs low. We thank you, Lord, for being the champion of faith that showed us what it's like to live as a human and continue to trust in God through everything, through trials, through temptations, through suffering, through death. We thank you for raising again, Lord, and conquering everything, Lord, and that's, that this plagues this world. We ask you now to pour out your Holy Spirit on these elements of bread and juice, that they'll become for us your body and your blood, that when we take them, our faith will be renewed, our hearts will be lifted, and our spirits would be encouraged. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to pour out your Spirit on us, your people, that we might be the kind of church, the kind of people, the kind of disciples that take you into this dark lonely and hurting and suffering world. Pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen.